0: Hey, welcome to The Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, hello, hello, hello. We are, Here we are. It's hey. Tuesday, Arvo. Your boy's Mitchell Murray here. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm well.
1: I'm very well. Good to hear. Uh,
0: Good yeah. to hear. We had a big blackout yesterday here. Oh, your house had the no, blackout. No, the center well? did.
1: Yeah, ah, which sweet. is
0: always fun with ah. a bunch of tiny children on inflatables.
1: Yeah, there's 140 kids here. and Apparently, <laughs> yeah, wrong. Have to rush out to rescue yeah. them all. So,
0: is there like? I, I assume that there's some sort of like protocol that in the yeah. world, like the franchise gives you. Yes, when there's yes, a yes. So
1: it's pretty funny living out here for twelve months. I just assume whenever it's windy or there's a storm, ah, eh, gonna lose power. Definitely go either <laughs> on like yeah, yeah. centre side or like the man's side. Yeah, it's pretty funny. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> to Make sure your phones are charged, you know, you yeah. might be out of power for a while. So.
0: <laughs> there is sort of like the extra like thing that hopefully there's power on the other side, but it's yeah. like a little consolation yeah. when you're in a blackout in half. <laughs> yeah, it's all right.
1: There was one time we lost power in the manse and Rach and I went into the centre while the kids were asleep and we were just like downloading <laughs> stuff and charging our phones. Love it. <laughs> Got to do it. Yeah. Got to do it. Uh, so uh, good. So good. Well,
0: I'm just shocked in like how close we are to Christmas. It's mm. just like literally like I think you said on Sunday, like two weeks away. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, it doesn't feel like Christmas at all. How are you doing with your Christmas shopping? Ah, oh, it's already done. I have a wife who does <laughs> all right, it all. all right, And all right. Amazon. <laughs> yeah, no, I um, I, I definitely have a bit of Christmas shopping still left to do, know, but that's we're all. Right. <laughs> no, no, no we're all good on that front. Anything on the wish list for you this uh this um, Christmas?
1: I have bought my present and gave it to Rachel a wrap. <laughs> <laughs> so <I'm> done. <laughs> well, I bought I bought one present and decided now I want to use this now. So I bought myself a sandbag And I was like No I want to use a sandbag now Yeah for like working out I yeah, yeah. yeah yeah There's yeah.
0: no like Sort of flooding issues that you No kind of no This no, no. it. is like Merry a work sandbag to make. <laughs> Yeah
1: nice Okay cool Yeah like a good quality sandbag <laughs> yeah. That you can like throw around And yeah, yeah, lift yeah. above your head I yeah, assume yeah. yeah nice And I've got parallel parallelit bars So like they're calisthenic bars I bought for myself You've said like Three words I don't know Yeah, yeah. So just Ex- like little bars So bars They're like push up bars Push up bars. That's the best way to describe them. They're so not parallel pu-
0: Not like chin up bars. Push-up nah, bars. push up bars. They're okay, like so they low on the ground, the ground.
1: Okay. and then you can. They're designed to help like practice like push up handstands. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you can yeah, use yeah. them for like doing push ups, but yeah, then like yeah, yeah. you train yourself to do like. Oh no! Just Google it. Parallel Yeah. Right. Bar. So they must be like quite anchored to the ground then. No, your body weight just anchors them. Yeah. Right. So yeah, you learn to like lift your legs up and anyway. Yeah. That that's some All hashtag right. goals. Yeah, nice I'm aiming for <laughs> Cirque du Soleil Yeah, kind of <laughs> I love it Nice one yeah. nice Might spot. take a while to train up for that But you yeah, know, yeah. that's good No, yeah, so you know, good Can't conquer everything go overnight No, no, so. no
0: What about yourself? What's <laughs> um, that? Like? On the Christmas wish list I think Well, here's the thing I, re- I really wanted a bucket hat A bucket hat? Yeah But Em's just like No, I'm not getting you a bucket hat Yeah, I wore bucket hats When I was like 15 Yeah, well, this is like The point that Em's making She's like, you're way too old For yeah. a bucket hat yeah. And then I was and, like Do you like
1: cricket or fishing?
0: No, I just I just really want a bucket hat. Okay. And then um, so I was saying to her, I was like, no, like uh, tr- just trust me, like uh, I can pull it off. And she's like, trust me, you can't. <laughs> so I was talking to her the other day. I was like, you know, I was down the park the other day and I saw a dad like m- our age yeah. and he's wearing a bucket hat and he was like rocking it. And she goes, I think he was probably much cooler than you. <laughs> I'm like, I don't I don't think that's true. She goes, describe me, describe him to me. I'm like, well, he's like this black guy. He's like, French. She's like, okay, you've literally just it's described the coolest guy I could possibly think of. He was a black French guy. So of course he was rocking the bucket hat. She's like, babe, I hate to break it to you. You're very white and very un-French. Cool. <laughs> so, you know, I was yes. hoping there was still some uh, some chance of the bucket hat. Yes. but. I don't know. I've um I've asked her for the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy novels. Okay. I've never read them before. I wanna, oh, I, I want to read it. Have so you seen the movie? I kind of intentionally haven't seen the movie because I haven't read the books yet. Okay. But we I'll then because Martin Freeman, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'll g- I'll give it a watch. And then there was okay. like a Netflix series as well, I think. Yeah, there was. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh no, that was that. Dirk Gently. That was the other Douglas Adams. Oh, okay. Book, I, think. I actually yeah. haven't seen the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll watch the movie after I read the books. Okay. They're like tiny. Be an easy Christmas holiday read. Is yeah, the plan? So, yeah, <laughs> that's fun. <Excellent. laughs> I bit Christmas. of reading over Christmas.
1: Yeah, yeah. What's uh, what's on your sort of reading list over Christmas? Yeah, um, I've got a few books I'm reading. Yeah. Um, so I'm re- re-re- I'm rereading Flame of Yahweh. It's a mm. book about Old te- Testament sexuality. Bought it five years ago. It's about not what I, th- th- I was expecting you to say with that. Title. No. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it's based off Song of Songs. Flame yeah. of Yahweh So he's arguing It's a great book um, It's biblical theology On like sexuality And yeah, so cool. he unpacks Like from Genesis Basically all the way The Song of Songs Yeah and cool And so And he chooses Like the first chapter of Genesis The last chapter Song of Songs Because so he argues Song of Songs Is a return to Eden Yeah and Cool Yeah so Just rereading that mm. Just to uh, Yeah I don't really know why It's a good book It's just interesting It's mm. not all just about sex It's Yeah uh, unpacks like creation, unpacks a lot of like conquest narrative, family, like what's God expect of like husbands. Mm. And so, mm. so yeah, it's mm. about this fat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> He's, he, he almost dislocated <laughs> his thumb trying to <laughs> show <laughs> me how. That That's because. 700 pages. So, um, cool. so yeah. that will
1: be my Christmas mm.
0: read. Well, like I heard NT Wright say an interesting quote recently that he um said, most uh, secular people in the West still worship the god of Eros the Mm. God of erotic love. yeah. So, you know, I reckon there's like, you know, a huge value in understanding sexuality in the Bible as a, you know, huge point of value for Mm. people both in the church but outside the church as well.
1: And it's interesting book too because he unpacks a lot of um, like ancient Near Eastern ways of viewing creation. Mm. And so, yeah, so that's why it's important about the sexuality is because man and woman were... Created by well, obviously Adam was created by you know God, dust in the ground, and then Eve from the side. Mm. It says where a lot of humans in the other not a lot of humans humans in the other ancient like myths were created by like byproducts of the gods, the gods having sex of each other, yeah, the, the wedding products, other, yeah, kind of and of so it. sex had this like divinized status to it, mm. where it's very different under Yahweh. Mm. And so I- even um, rainfall, it's pretty gross, but they believed that like bowl. Ejaculated over
0: mm. the land. Just to that's remind us, this is uh, not a kid-friendly <laughs> yeah, podcast. If you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like who's just listening s- to beds with their kids? Yeah, but. No,
1: but just things like that. We like so that makes sense about why some of the um when it talks about like the Israelites having sex with like the shrine prostitutes. That's what they're doing, trying to evoke rain. Yeah, right. You're like, wow, like. Just, yeah, helpful things to understand the culture and how they viewed the mm. world compared to the Bible. So, yeah, yeah that's how I've been rereading. Just sort of, you forget this stuff over time. Yeah. You totally. read a good book, it's been five years since I read it, and I was like, oh, I really should reread that mm. just to. Yeah. So, very cool. yeah. Well, from one song to another, <laughs> yes, from the Song yes. of Songs to
0: the Song of Mary, uh, yeah, you kind of unpack the next part of the mm. Luke 1 um, birth narrative of Jesus, and we jumped mm. into Mary's song. Um, I'm sure it probably isn't a surprise to people as senior pastor, you kind of get first pick on what you preach yeah. on. What was it about Mary's song that you're like, I, I really want to like preach on that?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, what excites you about this passage? Um, what do you love about it? Firstly, because I'm not an expert on biblical poetry mm. or songs, like I sort of mentioned it briefly on Sunday, like the whole breakdown of it. Mm. I was like, yeah, like I struggle to understand. Like I kind of read a song I'm like,, yeah, okay, I get it, but mm. I also don't. And so I like to explore better and learn, yeah things that I don't. Mm. fully appreciate mm. better and so that was part of the attraction um, other attraction is the importance of songs to narratives mm. and setting up themes mm. and so it's yeah you can just sort of read the song and go oh yeah that's cool she said that and just kind of <coughs> keep reading yeah. And but I actually stopping pausing and unpacking it line by line and seeing the connections between the Old Testament mm. um, read one book it's almost like weaving something old and creating something new and so mm. uh, a bit like what I said in the first week about we're meant to, as the reader, we're meant to think back, oh, like with Zachariah and Elizabeth, oh, we've come across a barren couple before that are righteous. Yeah. Oh, Abraham and Sarah, that's, yeah. and this, like with Mary's song, we're meant to reflect upon, yeah, particularly Hannah yeah. and Hannah's song and think, oh, like God did that then. He did this reversal, which Hannah talks about, yeah. and that sets some themes for what, the book of Samuel 1 and 2 Samuel is about oh, something similar is happening here and some of the, yeah. the motifs and images that Mary riffs off, um, such as, you know, the Mighty One has done great things for me. Mighty One is often used of God as like a warrior. Yeah. So it's God is a bit of a warrior. You know, he's performed mighty deeds with his arm. A bit of Exodus imagery there. Mm. Um, yeah, he brought down rulers from the thrones, has filled the hungry, good things. It's kind of quite strongly riffing off song. Mm. She talks a bit about stuff like that. So, yeah, it's just that whole um, traction to that. And I didn't think, too, like I've never actually really preached through the song before.
0: Yeah, love it. Yeah, so, so good.
1: It's part of it. I think um, you kind of touched on something there, which is I know
0: I've definitely been guilty in the past of um, coming to a song in the Bible, um, especially within like a larger narrative and almost seeing it maybe as a bit of an act break <laughs> like we'll be right back kind of thing yeah. or ad break um but i think that one thing which is really interesting that hannah and mary song do is they're really foreshadowing what's going to happen like in, yes. the, in the rest of the book as much as they're also playing off previous biblical mm. ideas and imagery um you know it's kind of like summarizing what's about to happen in a, in a larger yes. thematic way rather than yeah. specific narrative and plot Um, But, yeah, so when we... I mean, look, I think that it'd probably be fair to say um, the average Christian probably wouldn't know off the top of their head who Hannah is. Like, if you're like, hey, who's Hannah? It's like, you know, she's not necessarily a major character. Um, She disappears pretty quickly. Mm, (laughs) Pretty much after the prayer. (laughs) Well, I mean, like, it's even kind of funny, and this is a whole other conversation, Mm -hmm. but that really the story of King David (laughs) is in the books called Samuel, you know, about, you know, like really... David is the hero Focus, yeah. of you know these two books or you know the larger narrative, but yeah, Hannah really is seen as being this heralder at the start mm. of this bo- this larger story. Um, so yeah, when you kind of look at Hannah's prayer in relation to Mary's, um, what are you know you've kind of already spoken about yeah. that theme of the mighty sort of being humbled and mm. the humble being exalted. What else is kind of going on in this <laughs> yeah. you know contrast or comparison yeah. between Mary and Hannah's so prayer? So I'll
1: give you a little bit of context for. Hannah. So Hannah is married to a man called Elkanah, and she's obviously the first wife because Elkanah marries uh, a woman called Paniah, and she can't have kids. And so every year they go up to offer sacrifices. Mm -hmm. And then Paniah, she makes so much fun of Hannah that Hannah goes to the temple with with the yearly pilgrimage um, to offer sacrifice. And there is crying so much and praying to God to have a child and, Eli the priest sees her and thinks she's drunk And she goes, no, no, I'm not drunk, I'm just pouring my heart out to God And Eli says, well, you're going to have a child I'm summarising it here very briefly anyway. And and Hannah dedicates Samuel Samuel means like God hears Mm. Um, So when she has a child And Samuel is dedicated as He's sort of the last judge Mm. And a prophet So prophet Mm. judge Mm. And so after um, Hannah's prayed And yeah, or all, all God's blessed her with that, that's where her song comes from. And so mm. so the titing of this virgin or not virgin, this barren woman having a child that will do great things for mm. Israel. And similarly, Mary's she's not barren, but she's unusual birth. Yeah, and sure. and Hannah's song definitely sets up the themes for um Book of Samuel. So I'll read I'll read the song here. So this is from one Samuel chapter two. It says Then Hannah prayed and said, My heart rejoices in the Lord In the Lord my horn is lifted high, my mouth boasts over my enemies, for I delight in your deliverance. There is no one holy like the Lord, there is no one beside you, there is no rock like our God. Do not keep talking so proudly, or let your mouth speak such arrogance, for the Lord is a God who knows and by him deeds are weighed down. The bows of the warriors are broken, but those who stumbled are armed with strength. Those who were who were full hire themselves out for food. But those who are hungry are hungry no more. She who was barren has borne seven children, But she who has many sons pines away. The Lord brings death and makes alive; He brings down to the grave and raises up the Lord. Sends poverty and wealth. He humbles and exalts. He raises the poor from the dust and lifts the needy from the ash heap. He seats them with princes and he has them inherit a throne of honor. For the foundations of the earth are the Lord's. On them he has set the world. He will guard the feet of his faithful servants, but the wicked will be silenced in the place of darkness. It is not by strength that one prevails, those who oppose the Lord will be broken. The Most High will thunder from heaven. The Lord will judge the ends of the earth. He will give strength to his king and exalt the horn of his anointed. Mm. And so You can sort of see the similarities between the two songs, just listening in there. And, and what's important in 1 and 2 Samuel is that Israelites pick a king, Saul, tall Saul, who ironically falls down in death, and David, who is the eighth son, is raised up. Um, so there's that kind of mm. reversal of things mm. even a bit of Goliath you know mm. Goliath is nice and tall and we think he's powerful but that's no, actually mm. David and so it's all, all those sort of images mm. are tying in there setting up the book of Samuel and mm. so in a similar way with Mary's <coughs> song she's talks about glorifying the Lord and rejoicing in God my Savior and generations calling me blessed and and I'll just skip down. and he says he's performed mighty deeds. He's scattered those who are proud in their innermost thoughts. He's brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He's filled the hungry with good things, but sent the rich away empty. Mm. So you can see that reversal mm. imagery, mm. and it's what um, so that's what Jesus came to do. Mm. We see him feeding and feasting with those on the yeah different spectrum, from zealots mm. to tax collectors, healing the blind, the lame. Mm. The demon possessed, and mm. so literally feeding people. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. that's yeah. part of that kingdom's arrival is come with Jesus, and then by extension, in the book of Acts, we see that the early church doing that too. So we have to remember that Luke and Acts are you know, two parter. Two parter. So yeah, yeah. 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 Kind of because we got Luke, John, then Acts it kind yeah, of yeah, breaks yeah, it yeah. up. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, mm. and I th- like it's really fascinating, even just with that, you know, sheer idea of a reference back to one Samuel. Mm. Um, you know it's kind of fascinating when you think of this messianic king of king david Mm. He's a fascinating guy Because he's a You know Hugely successful um, You know Sorry Military leader Mm. He's also like He's a pretty sensitive dude (laughs) Like you know He writes music Like he wrote Like half of the Book of Psalms Essentially Mm. And you know Like he is seen As somebody who Is very emotional You know And very tender A Mm. lot of the time And it's kind of funny Like in some ways He could kind of Be seen as a bit Of a missing link Between the You know Old school You know Judges Leaders You Mm. know Sort of like Maybe a a Samson or something—that's just the big, strong guy—and someone like a Jesus that we can mm. obviously, you know, get to that in a bit. But it is kind of interesting, even in that, that the pinnacle of Israel's king, kind of in, yeah. in epitomizing David, isn't necessarily fully even what you'd expect. Definitely not yeah. a Saul.
1: <laughs> no. Yeah, I really thought of it that way before. Because definitely, he's a mighty man. Totally. Which is why he's not allowed to build the temple. Yeah. It's his son Solomon. Yeah. But yeah, he does have that real emotional side because rem- just talking remind me of that time where David's bringing in the Ark of the Covenant and he's dancing yeah. around so much and his first wife, Mikhail, was like, yeah. how dare you do that? And You've made like, me oh, look like yeah, a fool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He's yeah. like, wow, I will dare become even more foolish today yeah. in front of God. Like, Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's real. Yeah. yeah.
0: It's interesting how God is like always preparing away, <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> always kind of bringing things closer. And mm. then obviously there's this other song that you referenced, uh all the way back in Exodus, which is uh, Moses' sister Miriam, yeah. and she has this song as well. Did you want to speak a bit about her song in yeah. Exodus 15, so. and how that sort of adds to these allusions that we see in Mary's song? Let me just
1: find it. Uh, yeah. So this, so in Exodus 15, um, after the Israelites cross the Red Sea, yeah. Moses um, sings a song, um, just praising. God for his victory, and why can't I find Miriam? Let me just do a control F. Um, it's funny that do you ever find that when you're reading on a screen? You're like, I know it's here, I just can't see it. Here we go, it's only really short. It's first, um, verse 20, verse 20. It starts and says, So after, um, Moses sings so this is Exodus 15 verse 20 it says then Miriam the prophet which is interesting Miriam mm. the prophet Aaron's sister took a timbrel in her hand and all the women followed her with timbrels and dancing mm. Miriam sung to them sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted both horse and driver he has hurled into the sea mm. and yeah, very short but just powerful sing to the Lord for he is highly exalted and so while the language isn't identical like Scholars have just noticed that there's obviously like an illusion. Like Miriam mm. sets up a bit of a template for women singing and praising and mm. getting timbrels. And yeah. so that's part of this history in Israel of women singing praise to God for his victory. Mm. And, yeah, um, so obviously that's a victory which included the death of Pharaoh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Quite a violent act. Yeah. And so I All of their firstborns. Like, pretty, yes. Yeah. And that's what they're praising. And look, it's undeniable that the Old Testament is rather violent. And on Sunday to set up before Mary's song, I mentioned how Elizabeth, um, when she greets, she says, blessed are you among women and blessed is the child you bear. And that image of only curse once other time, one time in scripture, this side of you being a blessed of women and the other times jail. And so it comes from Judges 5:24. Says. So the the judge um, uh, having a mind blank here Deborah <laughs> I knew I'd get there eventually, it's been <laughs> one of those days Deborah, and she sings um, from verse 24, most blessed of the women be Jael, the wife of Heber the Kenite, most blessed of t- tent dwelling women and then she kind of goes on at how you know, she led Sisera into his tent and then she goes, she struck Sisera she crushed his head and she shattered and pierced his temple. <laughs> like mm-hmm. It's really quite mm-hmm. graphic in the imagery. And the other time too, which is outside the Bible, is a lady called Judith mm-hmm. who snuck in and killed an Assyrian general mm-hmm. and there's praised for that. Mm-hmm. So so when you say outside the Bible, what do you mean? Uh, it's not in the Old Testament. It's in the intertestinal writings. So sure. the book of Judith, uh, it would be in Catholic canon. Sure. So we would... Protestants that say, oh, yeah. it's not scripture. So and not, Jews like, would still recognise it as a as a scripture as well, maybe. No, some Jews maybe, but, okay. it'd but be mainly in the Catholic inter- canon. Yeah, intertestamental literature. Sure. So literature that's not scripture, but it's not like heresy. I, yeah, it, like the early church fathers' letters. Sure. We see those; as, they're not scripture. Sure. Like. Yeah, but we recognise they're important documents for understanding early church. And that's similar to the Book of Judith. It's helpful for understanding that period between mm. Jesus' arrival and what we say, the closing of the canon mm. in the Old Testament. So, so yeah, you've got two women in Israelite history who have kind of been used this language around them, being mm. blessed, and they're being known for acts of violence against God's enemies. And even like a song like Miriam's, um, to a lesser extent, a song like... Um, Um, Hannah's you know the bows of the warriors are broken so it's like Mm. this warfare imagery (coughs) and where we're now in the new covenant things are different Mary doesn't go around banging tent pegs into people's skulls she carries a son who is well he is the son of David but doesn't go around fighting enemies physically does it spiritually mm-hmm uh, Jesus is a warrior, but mm-hmm. just not the warrior we would expect. He casts mm-hmm. out demons, yeah. fights against them, takes a spiritual battle, at least on this side of eternity. Mm-hmm. His second arrival, it's a very different image in Revelation, riding a warhorse. So, the big difference between Mary and Jael so, Mary is obviously not going around smashing tent pegs into <laughs> people's heads. Yes. Uh, it's a different way of doing things. Mm. And so, like I said earlier, Luke sets up the narrative is like look to the past mm. to anticipate the future mm. but also it's a bit different so Zachary and Elizabeth we mentioned earlier yeah mm. like a new Abraham and Sarah mm. so while well, this language of Mary being like a blessed woman oh that reminds us of Jael mm. or for Jews like yeah Judith as well mm. but it's different she's a different sort of figure not mm. a warrior mm. figure mm. and that reversal imagery it's interesting I was reading somewhere that Mary gives birth to a king, but she's not a queen. Mm. Uh, Mary's younger than Elizabeth, but it's Elizabeth that honors her, mm. instead of the other way around. Mm. And even so, like yeah, John the Baptist he kicks for joy at mm. the baby who's younger than him. Mm. And so that sort of that old testament image of the younger being honored above the elder. Mm. And so there's familiarity, but a difference. Mm. In Jesus. Yeah, is a bit like a King David type mm. figure but mm. just does it differently. The, the weapons he uses are the weapons that are against him, mm. the nails in his hands and feet and the spear that goes through his side. Mm. Uh, it's that how, how God's kingdom works. And mm. so it's just, I always just find it interesting. I guess that's tied in with a question you ask, like why, why Mary's song? Because there's, yeah, there's Old Testament images coming through mm. and so there's yeah that familiarity with that
0: difference Mm. yeah i loved what you said at the end of your sermons you know the you know israelites were expecting a king who was going to drive tent pegs through people's heads Mm. and yet he came to have nails driven through his own hands Mm. you know it's um yeah real powerful and i think Mm. a real poetic way to underline that upside down kingdom that luke really focuses on Mm. throughout his gospel um, and then when we kind of look at um, that, this, this other motif that's explored in Mary's song is the arm of God as well, which I was really fascinated mm. by um, when you brought it up. Um, you, yeah, spoke about, and funnily enough, just quickly going back to Exodus 15, you actually see that idea in Exodus 15 earlier mm-hmm. um, in, yeah, the the part of Moses' song talking about the arm of God, which is fascinating mm. that there's this almost like double allusion back to Exodus 15, yeah. both through the image of the arm of God um, and then that, you know, idea itself of a, a woman's song. So, mm, yeah, um, Exodus kind of 15, 15 to 16. Yeah, um, Did you want to read
1: that? Yeah, yeah so Exodus 15, uh, 15, the chiefs of Eden will be terrified leaders of Moab will be seized with trembling the people of Canaan will melt away um, terror and dread will fall on them. by the power of your arm they will be as still as a stone until you Lord pass by the people until the people you brought pass by mm. and so that's there Then Exodus 6 1 it says the Lord said to Moses now you'll see what I'll do to Pharaoh because of my mighty hand he will let them go because of my mighty hand will drive me out of this country so hand arm it's a similar yeah. sort of Image and then Exodus 32 says the Lord's this is when um, God's about to destroy the Israelites, yeah. For their sin. yeah, with it's the like, golden calf, yeah. yeah. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord, his God, Lord, he said, Why should your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? So, hand arm, it's a similar yeah. like image to describe, yeah, the God's acts of power, yeah, and yeah, yeah. As I um connect, yeah, I was talking about on Sunday how. That Exodus imagery, the arm of God, the hand of God, it became known as the Exodus, like the, the, that template of the Exodus and what would happen mm. with the in the future with the exiles. Yeah. And so God would bring a future Exodus. And so, yeah, okay, well, I've, I've saved you from the Egyptians. Now I'm going to save you from the Babylonians. And that's mm. what Isaiah mm. talks about. And I have some scriptures here. Yeah, so Isaiah 51 verse 5 my righteousness draws near speedily, my salvation is on the way and my arm will bring justice to the nations. Mm. The islands will look to me and wait in hope for my arm. Mm. Um, and then Isaiah fifty nine sixteen, he saw that there was no one, he was appalled that there was no one to intervene so his own arm achieved salvation for him his own righteousness mm. sustained him
0: yeah it's a really interesting mm. passage later in Isaiah, Isaiah 63 12 it kind of yeah. ties again Moses to the arm where he goes mm. who caused his glorious arm to go at the right hand of Moses um, yeah. and who divided the waters before them to make for himself an everlasting name kind of again even you can see that you know a later prophet Isaiah Really seeing this image of God's arm being so tied to Moses's story, mm. so then it's really fascinating when you start thinking in that ancient Hebraic way yeah. that different um, sort of phrases uh, or imagery is being connected to different people's stories. Mm. You then see that really coming up in that sort of Mary song of like, "Oh, okay, God's arm like is so tied in to the mm. the, the Moses narrative, the the idea yeah. of the moment at the Red Sea."
1: Yeah, and and that's I guess one of the cool things of scripture is that you can read yeah like Mary's song and go oh yeah that's nice but some of those words even at the end he says he's helped his servant Israel and that's a pretty charged word because Isaiah like the servant like obviously got the suffering servant but also Israel collectively is God's servant Mm. and Mary ties in a bit like the beginning of her song where she praises God for what he's done for her so he's been mindful of the humble state state of his servant and it's sort of like Mary's talking about herself and then links in servant with Israel in, in a similar in a weird way, well, what happened to Elizabeth and Mary is kind of reflective of what happened to mm. Israel so mm. Israel's been humbled and humiliated, mm. they were sent into exile, in they're seven years they've come back mm. but they're not really their own people. Mm-hmm. There was a bit of history there. The Maccabees, if you've yeah. heard of them, like they had a, had a crack at it. Judas Maccabees, he fought against the Greeks. of Ptolemies, yeah. the, the fourth, so was yeah. the Greek overlord. They sort of established their own kingdom for a bit. But it yeah, it was like successful apart. for yeah, a second. Yeah. It was like yeah, uh, but it's all fallen apart by this point. We got yeah. Herod, who, interesting enough, is an Edomite. And mm. We kind of read briefly there in Exodus. so yeah. Edom is the twin twin brother of Jacob. Yeah, is the enemies of. Israel, if you mm. know your Old Testament history. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got an enemy ruling from Jerusalem through mm. Herod and Edomites. Mm. You've got Rome who's ruling over the mm. world at this point, And, mm. yeah, Israel's like an oppressed nation, let's mm. say. They're mm. in their land, but they're not yeah. really owners of it. Yeah, them. yeah, yeah. And those glorious promises that the prophets foresaw, it hasn't happened yet. Yeah. They're still waiting for that. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's all tied in here with Mary. She's giving this prophetic vision mm. in a sense of what God will do. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah so that.
0: You, um, you brought up this really great point and something which is, you know, we've of we've been talking around, but I'd love mm. to address it directly, um, that there is a, a real change and a countercultural shift Mm. in what an Old Testament perspective and definitely first century perspective and expectation was on a Messiah um, as opposed to what God was actually doing through Mm. Jesus. Um, How does that sort of inform our theology and our world today? Um, can we, do you think, be guilty of maybe still thinking sometimes more in an Old Testament context than a New Testament context? Mm. And how do we sort of navigate that
1: difference? Mm. What does it actually look like? Great question. Um, No. It just depends on what spectrum of church you're from. So we're currently sitting in the auditorium, and I can see above us, let justice roll on like a river. So obviously, copying there from Micah. And... Yeah, there's a stream of Christianity that would sit well with Jesus. Jesus is you know, Prince of Peace. We turn the other cheek. We're about justice. We're about bringing shalom to this world. And so embracing those new covenant ideals. But I guess, yeah, there's always a spectrum. And I suppose there's in some quarters of Christianity is a bit of a militarism. Like We are there to fight and to yeah change this world through political um, ideals mm-hmm. and... Yeah, perhaps, perhaps add in some worldly values, which kind of may seem a bit Christian easy, but mm. yeah, push push what we think is what God's kingdom mm. is. So I guess there's danger from both sides, and well, yeah, of just take not having a full gospel picture. So mm. if you take the full, oh, we just do social justice and that's it, well, mm. then you miss out a element of the kingdom, which is proclamation. Mm-hmm. If you have to militant of a perspective and only preach gospel about works it's also mm. yeah, challenging but i don't think it's ever something i've really encountered like what you have asking how about yourself um I, guess,
0: uh, I think that there's definitely yeah that there's that there's a danger of kind of overbalancing on mm. either side of that right um yeah i think like for me there is maybe um a misconception sometimes of what it looks like um to yeah like spread the gospel to Mm. yeah i I kind of hate this phrase but i'm using it intentionally because i think it's the misconception that some people have to make our world more christian (laughs) Mm. rather than So I I think that's the wrong idea. Mm. I don't think we should be asking how can we make our world more Christian. Mm. I think we should be asking how can we lead people into becoming more Mm. Christ-like. Yeah, because ultimately I think then our society can just kind of become a bit like a cup which is clean on the outside Mm. but dirty on the inside kind of thing. It sort of has all of the... uh, the signs of you know what we think is Christian, but ultimately on the inside is still bereft of Jesus.
1: Yeah. Um, my new favorite author is Richard Beck. I'm mm. reading his book called Enchanting Faith, and um, it's not from his book Enchanting Faith, uh, which is a great read, just about how he uses the word enchantment, I think, to be a bit you know provocative. Yeah. Basically, sure. just saying becoming more spiritual. Yeah. But on his blog post, he talks um, about what he calls a uh, it's like, a, what's the word? Process. The of Jesus is just a process to make us mm. um, tick boxes off. And he, from his blog post, he has he was talking to these Christian coaches, so sports coaches in like a mm. Christian sports school. Mm. And he asks the question, like, what values do you have? They're like teamwork, you know, giving 100%, or, or like the typical sports, you know, jargon. Mm. And he says, what makes this uniquely Christian? And he's like, none of them could say anything. He goes, just because you've just slapped Christian ahead of it, we're a Christian mm. sporting school doesn't mean it's Christian. He goes, what makes you uniquely Jesus-focused? And mm. that's how he leads the blog post. He goes, that's the question you need to ask, like, what ha- how, uh, like, well, anything we do? How does that make us reflect Jesus? No point just slapping on a label. And it made me reflect about here, like, the centre. Mm. Like, hmm. You know, like, yeah, we say we're trying to make Jesus the centre. How Rather than just it being just a name in front of it, what is unique about that? Mm. And so, yeah, um, your question made me reflect on what Richard Beck was saying about, yeah, not just slapping on a label doesn't mm. mean that we're Christian. And yeah, absolutely. it is interesting. Beck argues that if your Christianity just boils down to being morals or a political point of view, mm. it's like, well, then you're you gonna lose focus soon because he he goes honestly he he writes he's like you don't need God to be a good person because we know plenty of non-Christians that are good people about God and and so he says that's what he he says Gen Z and millennials are deeply spiritual people Mm. he writes and and he goes because he's a psychologist he writes anytime you see addiction loneliness depression he goes that's people crying out for God Mm. for their souls to be filled and they're just not finding it in church and so he Trying to push back for this whole be mm. more spiritual, like the kingdom is about power. It's about God, seeing God's presence and power mm. in our lives, mm. and in a sense, that's uh, does have a point. Tying it with Mary's song, it is about seeing the kingdom mm. in power, mm. about God's presence, about God's power, about yeah, rejoicing in the the deeds of the mighty one, his arm being revealed. Um, yeah, Robert Barron, he was a Prolific commentator passed away a few years ago. He just he said, The arm of God is revealed at Advent in the birth of Jesus. Mm. So how you see it. He said, That arm revealed hanging upon the cross. Mm. And yeah, that's what's uniquely Christian mm. is uh, yeah, turning the other cheek, mm. not seeking revenge, mm. trusting in God's goodness. Mm. Provision of his justice Mm. over this world to reverse the evil and Mm. suffering. Mm. That's what will change it. Mm. Expecting to see it. Paul said to Timothy, the kingdom of God is about power, not about timidity. Mm. We do believe in a powerful God Mm. and a God of miracles, a God of wonder. yeah. yeah, reclaiming that, like Mary is done here. Mm. I wanted to finish. Um,
0: I, I think it'd probably be safe to say I am putting mm. words in your mouth a little oh, bit okay. here, but right. in your preparation for this sermon, mm. um, definitely came across in the delivery that maybe your view on the power of song has increased a little bit. Yeah. Um, did you just want to speak a bit yeah. about that as we finish up, about... Yeah, we're singing Mm -hmm. (laughs) in songs, what place they have in our spirituality, um, in our, yeah, church gatherings and in our, yeah, just, I don't know, walks with
1: God. Yeah, um, because I don't have any musical talent. I never valued singing Mm. very highly. Um, But, yeah, reading Beck and a few others in particular who just, yeah, well, Richard Beck's language of singing is resistance, Mm. it's... Yeah, for us, when we gather each Sunday, we sing praises to God. In a way, obviously, to honour Him and to glorify Him. Also, too, it's about yeah, asking God to come through on His promises. Mm-hmm. Some of it. Um, you know, there's been many a time where I think of um, the civil rights movement mm-hmm. in the 70s where African-American Christians just gathered in church. Not much more they could do, and they just pour their hearts out in song Mm. and that's how they fought was Mm. by this non-violent resistance Mm. and using songs like Mary's song to Mm. encourage them to Mm. give them the strength to keep going I remember hearing just yeah it was from a sermon just about how each week these African American Christians would gather in church Sunday by Sunday pour their heart heart out to God for two hours and just go back into their weeks with no change but they just that was part of what they did week by week because mm. they believed that God would do something mm. in America, that God would change things. And, mm. yeah, that's all part of what Jesus has done. The kingdom is, we don't think about this, the kingdom is quite political. Mm. Um, yeah, the language that Mary uses of, you know, my soul rejoices in God, my saviour, and that's not, it's a language to describe a God in the Old Testament. Mm. But as I mentioned on Sunday, there was there was a saviour already. Augustus, mm. yeah. He was the saviour of the world. And yeah, yeah. it's challenging that. When when Paul writes to the churches and say, Jesus is Lord, that's very political.
0: Mm.
1: He's saying not Caesar, but yeah, Jesus. Yeah. And God's about destroying these political structures that hold this world under oppression mm. and bringing a new governance system, the kingdom mm. of God. Mm. Yeah, so I would say, yeah, singing, it's helped me a lot more to recognise the power of that, mm. the power of... Chance of, yeah, well, even just that song from Les Mis, do, do you hear the people sing? You think about it, yeah, yeah people gather around songs mm. and that's important. And so we yeah. have our songs too to help bind us, to gather us, mm. to yeah, point us to a higher purpose together. Yeah, like, yeah. love yeah.
0: it. So good.
1: Well, um, yeah, thank you again for,
0: yeah, just taking us on a deep dive of, you know, the, mm, the okay. Old Testament intrigue of, of Mary's song. Mm. Um, yeah, I have the uh, pleasure of bringing the word yes. <laughs> this Sunday. We're going to continue along uh, the story of Mary's Yeah, Jesus and kind of John this week a bit more's uh, birth. So Zechariah's song uh, and Mm. the sort of, you know, birth of of John. Um, So I think the big thing that's really been striking me this week as sort of preparing for the sermon this Sunday, it's kind of, I don't know, like it could almost be seen as vindictive the way that God takes Zechariah's voice away. Yeah, and like it's not dissimilar, almost to the way that he takes Paul's vision away on the mm. road to Damascus. Like there's there's this repeated theme of God, you know, taking away so that he can give again, mm. uh, which is fascinating. Yeah, but, it's, uh, yeah.
1: It's interesting because Zachariah and Elizabeth can't really share their news. Like Mary knows because Gabriel tells. Mm. Yeah. Gabriel, I should say, not Gabriel. Mm. <laughs> Gabriel mm. tells mm. Mary, Oh, your, your relative Elizabeth's pregnant. That's like the sign. Yeah. And because Elizabeth's hidden for five months. Um, yeah. Yeah, N.T. Right talks about it being almost like prophetic of the state of Israel. Mm. Takes away the voice mm. of the prophet, so to speak. Mm. They can't communicate till. Yeah time is ready for the yeah the forerunner to be revealed totally um,
0: yeah so i think the like the subtitle of my sermon is like the gift of silence mm. so it'll be yeah i think interesting to explore silence you know what it means to have a voice and what it means to yeah have seasons mm. <laughs> Zachariah's case quite a long season mm. of silence so mm. yeah should be fun <laughs> yeah looking forward to it yeah should be good well thanks for uh, joining us yeah. guys thank and you everyone yeah, thanks for the chat as always thanks man bye